Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Head over to thebridgelive.org and find access to all of our church information. Plus, it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at the Bridge Church. But most importantly, I hope you find the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey, getting from where you are to where you want to be. Cross that bridge. Enjoy. Uh, In this series, well, first of all, I would like to say this is something I never remember to do, but uh, for those of you watching on the stream today, thanks for joining us. Um, Sit back and relax and enjoy. I would offer you some coffee, but you're over there, so too bad for you. So anyway, week three, we've been talking about authentic faith, right? And we see this guy's talking about trust me, and God is the only one that we can put faith in that is going to do what he says he's going to do and and follow through on all, like the song we were singing during worship, you know, all of those promises in the word, we can claim those because God's word is truth. Right? And that's the only thing that we can depend on as truth. Now, in this series, we, we're not really talking about what faith is. We're talking about how to operate faith, right? How to operate in it. We've been talking um, about authentic faith, and, and it's to stand on your handouts there. It's our, our theme this year um, as a church uh, that we are going to stand. We're not going to be moved We're going to remain solid in belief and to withstand in the fight. How many of you know it's a fight, right? There's a war going on uh, in the spiritual realm. And and that's kind of what we're talking about because, uh, as I said earlier, faith begins where the will of God is known. And so when we see these promises in the word of God, we can declare and claim those as our own. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we acquire faith. We can't pray for faith, okay? Uh, Faith comes by hearing. You you find faith in this word, um, whether it's saving faith or faith for healing or faith for, for finances, faith for your children. Find the promise, and then the faith comes. You can't get faith from a person. You can't, except for Jesus, you can't get faith from a pastor. You can't get faith from uh, uh, whoever. You have to get faith from the will of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And therein lies the problem. Because we are continually using this thing called faith as as believers. And, And it's funny, we're called believers. We should believe something, right? Otherwise, you're just called somebody. (laughs) right? I mean, you should believe something. So if you're going to believe these promises, automatically faith comes, right? Don't have to pray for it. Don't have to believe for it. Don't have to agree. It comes when the will of God is known, which is his word. And and it's, uh, it becomes a part of you when you hear the word of God on a subject, right? So here's, we went through the process in week one. If you missed any of these weeks, you can watch them on YouTube. You can listen on iTunes, Uh, But I would encourage you to go back because like all of our series, they stack, right? Week one was very practical. Week two and week three, they're all practical, which means you can use them today, 
okay? Uh, we talked about the promise book, and the God's promise book over there, that purple book, has the promises in it, and they're listed by subject. So when you're looking for a promise, it's easy to find. Then we, week one, we totally went through it. We, we prayed the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith always ends with, Lord, your word says, and I believe those promises, and I receive them now. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how the prayer of faith ends. When we pray that prayer of faith, the, the, the devil doesn't really pick on you while you're praying the prayer. Whether we, we can even be excited about it and get excited that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this. This is great. This is going to be awesome. This is, you know, the greatest thing. And then by Wednesday afternoon, you're in trouble because your faith has waned and, and you're in trouble. So it, doubt comes. The enemy wants to bring doubt to you. And the only way he enters is through your mind. I always say, get control of your mind, you'll get control of your life. Because all of us, and I, I, many times through this series I have referenced Judith's book on mind traps, that if you can get control, because here's what happens is your mind begins, it's probably for some of you, already happened. That it's floated off, you're thinking about work, you're thinking about lunch, you're thinking about all these things, and you're missing what's happening whether it's a promise from God or a word in due season or whatever, right? So this is how the enemy will preoccupy us and tie us up with doubt and unbelief. So today I want to talk about resisting every doubt, okay? Does that sound good to anybody? Yeah. Uh, and now the Lord gives us specific tools. Our, our text verse for this series is in Ephesians 6, and I'm going to read it today. Uh, starting in verse 10, but we're going to go past that because uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he gives specific weapons to combat and resist doubt. All right, we're going to talk about those plus three other things that will help you all on your handout. You can fill it out and take some good notes, right? So in, uh, in first, first, no, verse 10, he says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Right there we could say, how many of us try to be our own strength and our own power? It's like, I got to do something about this. I can't do this anymore. Well, that's being strong in your power. And let me tell you something, your power is not going to last very long around here. You got to put some, put some stock in who Jesus is, right? And then we talk about that all the time. And then he says, verse 11, put on, right? And it's going to take some action on your part the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, say stand, stand, against the wiles or the schemings or the road the devil travels against you of the devil. So he's saying that we need this armor. If we're going to walk in authentic faith, we need this armor because the enemy is coming. Right? Somebody should pay attention. You're not going to fly. Wouldn't it be great? I say this all the time. Wouldn't it be great if you get saved, you get set free, you automatically, right in that second, you say, yes, Jesus, I want to be a part of your, th your, your life and you're the Lord of my life. And all of a sudden, your bank account fills up and your waistline shrinks and everything, all your kids are in order and everything's awesome. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That's not the case, right? <laughs> Welcome to church. Hope you're encouraged, but your life's going to suck probably even worse than before because the devil does not like it when, the, when Jesus is Lord of your life. 
Now, here's an important thing. The devil can't interfere in you accepting Jesus, but he can interfere, <laughs> interfere with everything else, right? Doubt, unbelief, all those things come almost immediately. That's why at, in this church we focus on Jesus because I'm just a fleshly, weak individual who's going to let you down, right? It's not, and it's not about the pastor or the pastor or the staff or the music or the singing or the worship leader or the band. It's about Jesus because he's the only one who's not going to let you down, who's not going to let you off the hook when, when things aren't right, right? So we got to know that verse 11 is telling us that, that something's coming. The devil's coming for us. Then he says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. He's clearly telling us this is not a physical fight, right? Against principal, uh, spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, because the devil's coming for you, this is what he's saying, take up the whole, say whole, oh. armor of God, that you may be able to withstand. He's not saying this is the only way, but he's saying this is the only way you're going to be able to withstand this onslaught that's coming. And it's coming. Jesus said you shall endure persecution on the earth. Once you split from the earth and get to heaven, thank God there's no devil, there's no nothing in the way, it's just la-di-da. Woo-hoo! Feet up, watching the game all the time, it's going to be awesome, can't wait. <laughs> right? Stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. This is what we're talking about in this series, the stand. Amen. After the amen, at the end of the prayer of faith is when the trouble starts because then you're on the radar and we need help. So today I want to talk about resisting every doubt. Let's keep going here and talk about just briefly these tools that the Lord gives us to help us resist every doubt, right? To withstand, to stand in the evil day. We've clearly defined we are to stand. We are to withstand. Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 says it's a fight of faith. You're going to have to work on this thing. It's not just sit back and bless me, Lord. I'm good. It's a fight to get what you have coming. All these blessings and stuff we're singing about, unbelief's going to rip that right out of your hands. And the devil laugh at you all the way to the bank, literally. Right? So let's read about this. He says, verse 14, stand, therefore. He's telling you to stand again. That's like the third time. Having gird your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Isn't it interesting that that breastplate, that's righteousness, covers your heart? Because when you know you're righteous, the enemy can't get to your heart through your head because you're covered in righteousness. Uh, next series, probably after the baptism that we're going to start about your identity in Christ, who Jesus says you are. Because when you realize the righteousness that you're covered in, that you no longer have the gray grubby robe, you have the pristine white robe of righteousness on you, Isaiah says, that changes everything. Because your self-esteem automatically rises when you realize, and it's not a prideful, arrogant, look who I am thing. It's just knowing that Jesus got your back, no matter what. So it's important that that righteousness covers your heart. Verse 15, having shod your feet 
with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Notice, you got to prepare your gospel of peace. You got to be ready in season and out because the, the enemy is coming. Above all, above all, this must be important. Okay? Uh, take the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So when he sends those shots at you that you are worthless, that you feel terrible, that you're nauseous, your back hurts, your feet hurt, your knees hurt, your life sucks, your husband's an idiot, all this stuff, how do you quench those? With authentic faith. With this shield of faith. The shield of faith is the next verse. Take the helmet of salvation, covers your mind, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That, this is the biggest weapon. Notice how he says there's only one offensive weapon, and it's this. I say it all the time. This in here, produced out this way, changes the spiritual realm where the fight is. And I'm not talking about say this verse 73 times and make it sound stupid. I'm like, get it in your mouth, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're speaking authentic faith, it's going to sound like the will of God, okay? And it's like, okay, what do I believe? Well, I believe a lot of things. I believe that COVID has um, canceled the hockey season, which is detrimental to my life right now. <laughs> and, you know, I believe that, um, you know, Jesus is Lord of all things. And we are all under his authority in the earth. I believe that um, I am the head and not the tail. I believe that I am above and not below. Not above people, but I'm above the spiritual realm. I believe I can pray in Jesus' name and change that spiritual realm. I believe that when two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name, he is in agreement with us. Amen? Amen? Just a few things. That's why it's so imperative that you have to know what you believe. Because if you don't know what you believe, the enemy is just going to run all over you. How can you say that? How can you believe this? How can you do that? Well, it's not in your heart, and it doesn't line up with the will of God, so there can't be any faith there. How can you have faith for healing if you don't know what the will of God for healing is? Amen, Pastor. I'm sorry I'm in your grill today, but I'm trying to help you, all right? So then verse 18 is the kicker for everything. Look what he says. This is how these weapons work, and this is how the fight starts. He says, praying always. Does that mean, um, like, now and then, tomorrow afternoon, oh, we're having a prayer meeting on Monday? Is that then? No, it's always praying. Does that mean like always walking around, she rode a Honda, just like freaking people out, making people nervous? No. It's just like keeping your mind fixed on this word. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit, which is okay, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is how this thing works. If you're going to operate in authentic faith, you better start praying. You better learn how. Because these weapons, once you get your salvation on your head and the righteousness covering your heart and the shield of faith that comes up, that you can simply be just Jesus, it works. It works. And you can see that Paul's writing to people who know what this armor looks like because they're under Roman rule and they've seen it all the time. And it's interesting how Paul defines this armor to people living under Roman rule 
to know that when the enemy's coming, he's coming straight at you. And he's coming straight at you, and he, the only way he has access to your heart is through this thing between your ears called your mind. Because you'll get these arrows of unbelief, these little arrows shooting at your heart, at your mind, going this, going that, and is it really worth it? Is this, do, is this doing anything because we don't see anything? Paul's clearly defining to them to be ready. Here is a suit of armor to help you, and he's using military terms to define the battle dress of a Roman soldier that these people in Ephesus who are under Roman control will understand. I hope you in this place are understanding how important this armor is and what it does for all of us. This is how you resist every doubt, using the armor, right? So listen, to, on your handout there, it says to stand against in verse 11 uh, means to hold at bay aggressively or stand in front of and oppose, right? Anybody play sports and have somebody oppose you? Right? And it's like, they don't, it's like a war. It's, a, it's just a perfect analogy for what we're doing because they want to stop you from making progress. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to stop you from making progress in your marriage. He wants to stop you making progress with your children. He wants to stop you making progress in, in, in uh, serving at church and in, in just making uh, your relationship with Jesus a priority. And he'll do that by making you busy. Right? Oh, you got to work. You got to do this. You got to take the kids here. You got to go there. And all of a sudden, your secret place is like non-existent. Because you're so stinking busy. And I, I, I tell my wife all the time, she says, I got to start at 8 today. And I'm like, man, who is your schedule maker? You should really write that person up. Right? It's me. I make my own schedule. So it's like, you can fix that. We can all fix it. We all have the same amount of time. We can all manage that time better. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. <laughs> so the devil wants to fill your mind with doubtful thoughts, and the armor is how we turn that attack on him with the word of God, right? We have weapons to stand in authentic faith, right? So that's number one. Uh, we resist every doubt. We have weapons in Ephesians 6, all right? Number two, the answer is on the way. Not only do we have weapons, but we have an answer that's on the way when we pray pray the prayer of faith. And Daniel 10, I love Daniel. He's like the most perfect individual of anybody ever. And it's just like he never did anything wrong. It's almost embarrassing, right? And he stood against the lion. And, you know, he, if, if you wondered where the Daniel fast came from, it came from right here in, in chapter 10 of Daniel. And it, it, he's, he knows the prophecy that Jeremiah gave, that after 70 years, the children of Israel are going to be set free. Well, that time's up, and he knows that. So he's praying a prayer going, God, what the heck? We need to go. But then he's talking about the prince of Persia who's making trouble for him, right? So he says in, um, uh, like, verse 2, he says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He was fasting three full weeks, he says in verse 3. Ate no pleasant food or meat or wine came into my mouth. Now anoint myself uh, until th three full weeks were in, uh, 
gone past, right? 21 days, 21 day Daniel fast, right? Everybody, it's right here. That's where it came. Then he says in verse 5, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold topaz, or topaz, whatever it is. He said he's getting a visitation from an angel, right? And this is his answer to his prayer. Listen carefully how how he writes this. In verse 10, he says, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of my hands. This is Daniel, guys. This is Daniel. Stood against the lions, right? Stood against uh, Nebuchadnezzar and did all these things with his three guys and the fiery furnace and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and he's like, what? Starts freaking out. This is Daniel, the man of man. My name. You can call me Daniel if you want. Verse 11, and he said to me, listen to how personal this this visitation is. He says, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Look at your neighbor and say, you're greatly beloved. (laughs) Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. It's interesting, every time there's an encounter with an angel in the word of God, people are bowing and they're like, and the angel's like, don't worship me, just stand up. Right? It's, I'm just, a, you know, just don't worry about it. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. He's freaking out, man. He's like, who are you? What's going on here? After all this stuff. And then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. F- listen carefully. For from the first day you set your heart to understand and you humbled yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. I want you to remind you of something. 24 days ago, his words were heard. The angel took him 24 days to get to Daniel because his words were heard. Then he says in verse 13, the angel speaking, he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, an archangel, he was sent it says, uh, don't know, Romans or Hebrews says that the angels are, are sent to um, bring the word to the Christians, something like that, right? I could have to look it up and get the exact verbiage. The angels are under the hand of, of the believers, okay? This angel was sent from God, from the throne to Daniel with the answer to his prayer. But notice in the spiritual realm that we talked about in Ephesians 6, he got hung up on the way, and he had a trouble crossing through there, and it took Michael, an archangel, which there was three, and only three of the boss angels. They're the big shots. They sit at the end of the table and eat the most food. They're like the dads of everybody, right? <laughs> it took Michael to help him. One of the chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. The kings of Persia specifically in this interpretation is talking about the evil realm, right? The dark side, we could say. This angel, with the answer, got hung up. It took him 21 days to get to Daniel with the answer that his people were going to be set free and they were going to head back to their land. Isn't that something? Now, let's talk about us and do a little comparison and contrast with Daniel. Do you think that maybe Daniel had to be sitting around thinking, God must not have heard me? 
Man, I thought I had a tight relationship. I've been doing secret plays and reading my Bible every day. And here's God, he just, he's, he's believing. He's in this transition zone that we are talking about authentic faith. From the amen and the prayer of faith to the, the delivery of the answer or the acquiring of the prayer, there is that zone, that 21 days it took that angel to get there. How many of you know that when we pray and say amen, the answer's on the way, but the spiritual realm's messing it up? And if they did it for Daniel and God is no respecter of persons, it's happening for you. Just because these guys, the Apostle Paul, Peter, Joseph in the Old Covenant, Adam, all these guys, just because God did it for them, he has to do it for you. Otherwise, he's a respecter of persons. Look at Galatians 2 verse 6. It says, but from those who seem to be something, I love Paul's writing in Galatians. He just kind of says it and he kind of just, you know, throws a zinger out there. He's like, but some of those who seem to be something, <laughs> right, whoever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. I don't care who you are, right? And then for those who seem to be something, added nothing to me. I love that. It's like, oh, you're a big shot. Yeah, well, you're nothing to me, he says. I don't care who you are. And Paul was a little grumpy, I think, sometimes. <laughs> kind of fun, right? <laughs> so the enemy travels the same road every stinking time. Tries to get you tied up in knots, thinking that you're not qualified to pray the prayer of faith, that you don't qualify for what this word says, and he brings doubt and unbelief. You know, God didn't hear you. Maybe you didn't pray it right. Maybe you twisted the promise to, to be something that it's not. You know, why would God answer somebody like you anyway? You know, after what you've done. Remember what I said last week. It's not about performance and what you do on this earth to make God like you more or bless you more. It's about your position and who you are in Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've got everything. And if we pray the prayer of faith and the promises that are in the word and the answer is delayed, it's okay, right? Because the devil is trying to make you stop, make you quit, make you uh, operate in unbelief. And what it's like, it's like placing an order on Amazon and then canceling that order. That's what unbelief does to your prayer life. And, and it's amazing to me that so many of us give up so fast that we, we lose the authentic faith that we're working to acquire and we, we understand the promises are true. But when the answer is delayed, like in Daniel's case, it was, it, it's like we collapse in on ourselves instead of standing in it and the fight, and the stand, and the withstand, all that stuff. It, it's a fight. And you have to understand that some things in your life are going to be hard. You look at Daniel's life and the stuff he's been through, right? I don't know about you. Haven't been in it at the lion's den. Don't really want to be. Doesn't sound like fun, right? I got bit by a dog once. Wasn't very happy about that. Lion, probably a little worse, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, fiery furnace, like the power went out at our house last night and the air conditioner quit working, thought I was going to die. It was like 193 in our room. I'm like, the fan's not on. 
Uh, I thought I was going to die, man. It's like a little bit of uncomfort or challenge to us as believers, and we just collapse. Not anymore, because we are going to operate in this thing. We are going to take this to the end, because miracle signs and wonders follow those who believe. Do you believe or not? Right? The devil's trying to make you quit. Right? Trying to get you to cancel the order. Right? Number three, the big one. This is the one where we all get messed up. And number three is contain your thoughts. Get control of your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, very popular verse. 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul, so was Ephesians. I want you to listen for similar, similar, similar terms. I'm a professional, really. <laughs> verse 3, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians. Listen to similar terms, okay? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. Right? He's talking about the spiritual weapons. He says, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What is a stronghold? Well, a stronghold is some belief in your head that you have been either taught, trained, or brought up under that you believe that even if you don't think you believe, you believe, right? An addiction can be a stronghold. Uh, uh, you know, not walking, uh, you know, what could, uh, like having to, what's it called when you have to steal all the time? But, yeah, that's, that's a stronghold, right? Depression is a stronghold. You know, fighting with your spouse and having to be right all the time <coughs> is, a, is a stronghold. Sorry, I had something in my throat there. <laughs> having to be right all the time is a stronghold, right? These are strongholds in your life that until you begin to walk with Jesus, you're not even going to know they're there. Because as you walk and you mature with the Lord, there's going to be things that come up in your life, in your prayer time, that are going to be like, huh, I never knew that. And then you're, you're, if you're, your wife's going to go, I've been telling you for 20 years. <laughs> be like, I know, thanks. You had to find out through Jesus. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds. What are those weapons? Shall I remind you of what Ephesians 6 is saying about the armor fights down those arrows that the enemy brings. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Remind me again where faith begins. Where the will of God is known. Would that qualify as the knowledge of God? All right. Well, let me read that again. He says that uh, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of of God. The enemy's going to attack your knowledge of God, the will of God, where faith begins in your mind every time. Why do I say that? Well, let's keep reading. He says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. thought. If I just had a cricket in here, that would have been great right there. Right? <laughs> Knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Our job, if we're going to walk in authentic faith, is to capture 
the enemy's thoughts before they douse across your brain and change your thinking. Because your, your thinking about a person will change as soon as you catch one little thought about somebody said about somebody, and then all of a sudden your whole, you may have never even met this person. You don't even know this person. And then yet, Michelle tells me that David has this and this and this that is gossip and a sin. Now my whole thinking towards David has changed because I didn't intercept that thought, bring it into captivity, and see him how Jesus sees him instead of my opinion called judgment. So we can stop judging people by grabbing every thought that comes across our mind, that comes through our ears that somebody else is gossiping about, and you can stop judging people by containing every thought that's really good, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot win this spiritual battle by doing natural things, right? You have to fight this fight with the armor in the spiritual realm, and the only way to defeat the stronghold in your mind is to bring it down with the will of God, right? Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to what people say, to what's going on in the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do the renewing of our mind? We're going to change our thoughts for God's thoughts. We're going to take our gossip stinking thinking and put Jesus' gospel thinking in there. Amen. That's how we do it, right? To, and we'll prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Exchange God's thoughts for our thoughts, right? When thoughts of doubt and unbelief come, we've got to stop them at the door and say, you're not welcome here. Don't accept that package. And we can change that. When the devil says to you that you will always, always be underneath, you will always, you'll never have a good marriage. You'll never have, have a family that's right. When the devil says those things, you got to understand that you're going to pick up this, the will of God. I'm going to learn some faith on these subjects, and I'm going to combat what he says with what this says. Amen. Right? And, and I'm not talking about over and over and over and over, 73 times. I am the victory. I am the victory. I am the victory. Jesus is the victory. Blah, blah, blah. That ain't going to get you anywhere because that's not in your heart. That's just rolling off your tongue. And there's a lot of way too much stuff rolling off of people's tongues lately. That is, is I mean, here's a prime example. One newscaster can say that this sickness is whatever it is. And all of a sudden, social media and this stuff blows up, and it's all across the world. Just like that. Whether it's true or not. And we got way too many people believing stupid things instead of what this says, and it's screwing everything up for everybody. Took my NHL season right away. I'm very disappointed in the media right now. Right? So we're going to use our weapons. The answer's on the way. We're going to get control of our thought life. Last one, right? Doubt and unbelief is evil. You have to have that mentality. When, when these things come across your mind and come across your brain, you got to be able to look at those things and say, nope, I don't believe that. Nope. I'm not listening to that. You're not telling me anything I need to hear. Now, in uh, Numbers chapter 13, 
Very popular story. Not sure if they made a movie about it, but they should. Right? Very common story about the 12 spies sent to the promised land. The Lord God has delivered Israel from Egypt. Right? They, 11 days later, they're, they're ready to cross over into the promised land. They choose 12, 12 people, one from each tribe of Israel, one of each of Jacob's sons of the tribe. They took one person, they sent them to the promised land, right? And then they go check things out, and they're like, holy cow, this is great. It's, it's a gold mine, but there's issues. There's always issues, right? If we look at uh, in verse 2 in chapter 13, he says, who send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Catch this, circle this in your Bible. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. Does that sound like a question? It sounds like a pretty solid statement that God's giving them something. Right? Am I right? Am I just reading this wrong? Maybe my third grade mentality is messing me up. But it sounds to me like when it says, which I, with a capital I, am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe, their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. Pick 12 guys. I'm giving you the land. It's like if I pulled my truck key out and said, I'm giving away my truck. Anybody want it? Yeah. Right? That's simple. And I would give it to you. Now, does that sound kind of weird and funny or whatever? No, I'm giving it to you, right? It's like when you give to the church, you're giving. I'm giving him the land. Then he says in um, verse 20, he says, whether the land is rich or poor or whether there are forests there or, or not, be of good courage. That should be a warning that this isn't going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Might be a little, there might be somebody else there. Might be somebody else in your job that's earmarked for you right now. Just a thought about that. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the season was the first ripe grapes. Be ready because I'm giving you this land and it may not look like what you think it's going to look like. But be of good courage. I'm giving it to you. Can you understand he's given it to you? It's impressive. Now, verse 27. He says, then he told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us, right? He's, they're back now. It truly flows with milk and honey. Two major things about the promised land that God said. He said it flows with milk and honey. I don't know what that means, but that sounds pretty good. I mean, if you're lactose intolerant, maybe not. But <laughs> it flows with milk and honey. And number two, he's giving it to them here, right? So if they had the mindset and they could control their thoughts and not be moved by what they see, verse 28 wouldn't even be in the Bible right now. Because he says, nevertheless... Whenever there's a nevertheless, you got to go, uh-oh, here comes some unbelief. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. 
the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. It's like there's somebody else in our promised land. Nobody said it, you know, he said be of good courage for a stinking reason. This is going to be a fight. But yet, oh no, there's people there. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Somebody with some faith, finally. Take possession, for we are well able, say well able, to overcome it. It's amazing to me how many times there is the gold mine laying in front of all of us and unbelief creeps in. Or, you know, Christians are great at helping you not believe what's true. They'll tell you, well, I sure hope so, because, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to work out for you. It'd be like, thanks. Appreciate you right now. Right? It's, let me remind you of what Ephesians 6.13 says. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let me just slot in that it says, put these two together, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be of good courage, okay, and withstand in the evil day and to dump all to stand. It's going to be a fight. You're going to have to do something to bring this thing up. The evil report messed up their whole life for 40 years, a whole stinking generation died out there because they had unbelief. It's a sin and it's evil and you have to control it or it will control you and you will be stuck in the same stinking life you've been in your whole life. That's it in a nutshell. If you're going to walk in authentic faith, you got to get control of your mind. You got to use the weapons the word gives you, right? You got to understand that evil is a sin, and it's, it's evil. Evil is evil. <laughs> That's a quote, right? Tweet that, <laughs> right? And, and it's like they've had this promise for so long that if, if Moses at the burning bush way back in Exodus, when he wasn't even like all in yet, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, he, he's, this is God speaking to Moses through the burning bush, Part of the promise that long that they've been dealing with this, all the plagues and the whole exodus and the whole trip and the whole everything. This is way before then. He says that um, he says he's going to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the, the Hittites, the Cellulites, and all the other ones. It's like, come on! The promise is right in front of them. Let me share something with you today. Here's the promise. It's right in front of you. You can take it today and operate in authentic faith, fight the battle, and win every time. You may not win today, you may not win tomorrow, but the victory is yours because the promise says so. Come on. It's not hard, and it's not going to be easy, but it's all about you being able to do it, right? The decision is yours. Let me share this too. Out of, uh, after this unbelief and all this, they wanted to kill Caleb and Joshua for, because they had faith. Right? That's what your work people are going to do to you. They're going to want to get you out of here because you believe the best. 
and you believe that you are moving up and you are the head, not the tail, and all this stuff. But here's what they, happened to them. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him. Well, you know what? 40 years later, who went into the promised land? Two guys out of everybody that were left. And it was Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they had faith. And they stood on that faith through 40 years of idiocy in the desert. <laughs> Following around the mountain every time, the commandments and the law. And they stood with it. They had faith for 40 years. And they, they, they stood on it. And, and here's the thing. When they went into the promised land, they got to Rahab. Remember I said this last week? And Rahab said, where have you been? We knew you were coming. We saw. Remember, we're going to see a promise. And it's going to add faith. Rahab saw what God did to the Egyptian army. And let me just remind you of a little history. That the Egyptian army has destroyed armies. Like the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and all the rest. Cellulites, all the other ones. That, that were opposing Israel, God, that the, the army of the Egyptians had fought and destroyed those armies over and over and over in every battle. And now they're looking back at the promise coming across the Red Sea when God destroyed the Egyptian army who took out all these other armies. And they still didn't have enough faith. Here's the key. In, in, in Numbers 14 and verse 6, he says this. Here's the promise. Is that right? Yeah, 6 through 11. He says this. He says, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of that guy, who were among those who spied out the land, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. The Lord delights in us, and he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only... Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Stop looking around and get focused on the will of God in our life. For they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And verse 11, how long will these people reject me? This is the Lord talking because they still freaked out and, and cast him aside. And he says, and how long will they not believe me with all the signs I have performed among them? Let me share this and we're done. If you look back at your life and all the faith victories that you have had in your life, that's going to sustain your faith. That's all you need to do is a couple of small things, right? You got to just get control of your mind and get control of your life. Use the weapons that are in here. Resist every doubt and know that when you have thoughts of unbelief and evil, that that's not God speaking to you. The devil wants to make you think that God didn't hear you, that he's going to bring doubt, he's going to bring all this stuff, especially when you walk out of here today. You're going to get nailed before you get to the car, but you got to know I am a son of the Most High God, and God has used to be, in the Old Covenant, we used to be slaves. But now, because of Jesus, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. How many can agree with that? I am a son of the Most High God. Let's all stand together. Or daughter. <laughs> Whatever. Use the weapons. The answer's on the way. Control your thoughts. Evil is ugly. 
we have the victory. Bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the South Jordan, West Jordan, Harriman, or Riverton area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. Because of the recent events with COVID-19, we are meeting in Harriman temporarily until our new building is ready. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children and student environments, head over to thebridgelive.org or you can email info at thebridgelive.org or simply text 801-391-6969. 